Hey y'all, Rodney's rant here. This is going to be rant number eight I ran. The only reason I'm doing this is it has to do with, I was on Facebook yesterday and a good friend of mine posted a statement that even though he doesn't agree with Donald Trump, he thinks that what he did to Iran attacking the Iranian general was something that he's okay with. Um, one person pointed out it wasn't an attacking of a general, it was an assassination of a general, which is the first point that like, really needed to be stated. One of the things a lot of people were saying is, well, they attacked one of our embassies, so we're going to get them back. We're going to attack them. We're going to mess them up. We're going to teach them. Don't mess with the U.S. So one of the things I wanted to do with this rant is give you a little bit of a rundown on the history of who started what with Iran and why Iran and the U.S. relations are where they are right now. So a lot of people are acting like Iran is a state sponsor of terrorism and they're the ones causing all of the problems in the U.S. We're just minding our own business and Iran is just picking on us. And the thing is, most people do not know the history of what the United States did to Iran and why the relations between Iran and the United States are the way they are. Another thing that a lot of people want to ignore but is a major factor in a lot of U.S. foreign policy, it always has to do with does the country that we are targeting or calling a state a state sponsor of terror has something that we want. Iran has oil. No matter how ridiculous it is how much the planet is literally on fire, for some bizarre reason, oil is something that the United States will go head over heels for or do whatever it takes to get their hands on. So that is the major reason why they have an issue with Iran, same reason they have an issue with Venezuela, and pick a country, why they attacked Iraq? Oil. Oil was always the baseline thing. It has to do with industries. So a lot of the things that we do in the country literally is based on a specific industry that can make profit and the government is looking out for that industry and going to help them to make profit. That's it. If you're wondering why Iran, why Venezuela, why Iraq back in the day, Bush attacked it, oil. It was oil, it's a commodity that we wanted and we wanted to control. Uh, maybe a year ago, before John Bolton left the Trump administration, he literally stated they want to take over Venezuela for its oil. So that was the first time I ever heard it transparently stated outright. So if you're all not paying attention, it's about the oil. A friend told me about this back in the day about Iraq. Back in the day, I was like, nah, it's about protecting America. And my friend was 100% right. It was about the oil, always been, always will be, and or a commodity that we want. So let's just get that out of the way. So let's just go over the history of Iran. So what literally happens is, after World War II, Iran had basically decided that they wanted to nationalize their oil system. So this was about 1949. So the prime minister of Iran at the time said that he wants to nationalize the oil production in the country. And this man was actually assassinated. Then after he's basically assassinated, a gentleman named Mossadegh becomes prime minister and he pushes that through. And he basically nationalized the oil system of Iran. Our ally, the British, the British Petroleum Company, had a stake in some of the oil in Iran. This made them really angry. They're like, what's going on? 
we can make money. Iran decided to nationalize their oil to help the people in their country. How is that fair? So between the United States and the British, they came up with a little idea of what if we destabilize the country, get rid of this most of that guy, and then you just take over everything. And hey man, back in business, we just put some guy in charge who agrees with us and it'll basically work out. So in 1953, the CIA came up with a little plan to actually have a coup in Iran. They get rid of Mossadegh. They installed the Shah of Iran, who is a monarch. It was very similar to kind of what was going on in Britain, where the monarchy is there, but they don't really have so much power that they completely control the country. So what they decided to do is elevate the Shah of Iran to the same level of a true monarch, where he's, it's like in Saudi Arabia, he is the king and he controls everything. Because he was installed by the US, he was beholden in a way to the US. He owed them his power. So anything the US wanted, the Shah of Iran, he just let it happen. So one of the first things they did is they took Mossadegh, they convicted him of treason, put him in prison for three years, and then put him under house arrest for life and Mossadegh allies and people who were on his side were either put to death or put to prison. This was an overthrow of a democratically elected leader by the United States because their ally, Britain, had an issue with the nationalization of oil production in Iran. After 26 years of power, the Shah of Iran gets overthrown. Ayatollah Khomeini, who was in exile, came back into the country and a lot of really fundamentalist uh, religious students decide to storm the American embassy and hold 52 American personnel as hostage. So what you have now is President Carter is in charge. The elections are ramping up. Ronald Reagan's gonna be running for office. Carter decides to try to send a special forces team to try to save the people that didn't work out. What we later find out is President Reagan, after 20 minutes of his inaugural address in 1981, all the hostages are released. So the concept or the idea that a lot of people are saying kind of happened, it's called a theory, right? That President Reagan, while he was running against President Carter, made a deal with Iran and said that, hey, don't release the hostages um, because it's gonna hurt Carter and it'll allow me to get elected. You'll release them right after I'm elected and I'm inaugurated and we're good to go. So that's what happens. People called it a theory, but the prime minister at the time, um, multiple um, staff people in naval intelligence and within the Bush and Reagan um, administration said, yeah, it happened, but it's a theory. So we'll leave that. So this is where Iran now in 1981, oh my God, Look at what those crazy Iranians did. We didn't do nothing to them. They had this Shah who was such a great guy. And they decide that to throw him out and hold American people hostage. And this is why the Iranians wanted him out of the country. Because the Shah was brutal. And they had also overthrown their democratically elected government from before. I, I don't know. Holding grudges. Whatever. Hey, we're going to take a quick break so you can hear about our sponsor. We're back from the break. So I'm going to fast forward through a lot of the 80s 
in the 90s because this is the period of time where Iran is called a, a state sponsor of terrorism. This is a situation where you have where the U.S. is looking at it and saying that you can't trust Iran. We shouldn't sell weapons to them. And during the second Reagan administrations, they actually did a deal with Iran while they were banned from selling weapons to them. They sold some weapons to them. And then they, they were using the money to fund the Contras in Central America. So, you know. You can't do it except if the U.S. and we need money and we want to go destabilize another part of the world. Of course you can. So that's what the whole Iran Contra stuff is. So the interesting thing is these are the, the crazy relations the United States have with Iran. And a lot of people are like, what's going on? How come the Iranians don't like us? But what is the big reason why we keep coming back to Iran? So one of the interesting things that I'm also doing is in this rant, as I do with all the other rants, I have links to a lot of the stuff that I'm talking about. You can read it for yourself. I have the timeline to the coup and the important key events of the secret history there, the CIA, what they did there. I also have details of the Iranian um, 1953 coup d'etat itself, what happened in Iran. And there's also something called the October surprise theory about what Reagan did and then this one that I have is a timeline by Reuters that keeps track of everything that was going on between the United States and with Iran so what I'm coming up to now is where we are present day we just had I mean second command of the military of Iran literally just killed sort of like killing a joint chief of staff in reality if you're wondering it's just that bad so if some country decided to target one of the Joint Chiefs of Staff and just eliminate him while he was on a trip outside or abroad in another country, yeah, I don't think anybody would be happy about that. The fact that Iran hasn't done a damn thing, I am shocked. Those guys are are, are, are being very reserved and they're holding back. And if they're going to do something, it's kind of crazy to say, hey, why are they attacking or why are they doing something? So let's just get into the timeline from President Obama to Donald Trump. So when President Obama gets elected, Britain, France, and the United States in around 2009 see that Iran is building a secret uranium uranium site in a section of their country. So, so in around 2012, the U.S. law gives President Obama the right to sanction any foreign bank that does not stop buying oil from Iran creates a major economic downturn the sanctions hit really hard so you find out in 2013 Hassan Rouhani is elected and he's trying for a platform to improve the relations between Iran and the rest of the world the United States and the Iranians are now having secret meetings trying to hammer some stuff out to get things better in November of 2015, Iran and six major powers reach an agreement to the Joint Plan of Action nuclear deal. Iran agrees to curb its nuclear work in return for limited sanctions relief. Sounds good, right? This is the plan. This is what we're trying to do to prevent Iran from getting a nuke. In 2016, Iran released 10 U.S. soldiers that had ended up in Iranian territorial waters. The U.S. and Iran conducted a prisoner swap. This is how everything's working so far. So in 2018, we have Donald Trump. He withdraws from the nuclear deal. Even after he withdraws from the deal, Iranians are still making efforts trying to follow the deal. And they reapproach crippling sanctions on Iran. 
If you're wondering what we mean by crippling sanctions, they're having trouble of getting basic goods and services, employing the people in their country. They're having a lot of trouble doing the basic things that, that would allow the country to function effectively. And if you're wondering where else they've done these sanctions, look at Venezuela. They've done the exact same thing. And they prevent them from being able to use gold or any other type of monetary value to try to pay off some debt or buy things for the people in the country. So if you have crippling sanctions that are making everything really expensive and very hard to buy by the people who are living in the countries, there's going to be riots in the streets. There are going to be a lot of protests. There are going to be people angry at the government because, hey, man, I don't know. We're not doing anything. How come we're getting punished because of your policies that you have? Okay, so that's how that works. That's how sanctions work. Um, so what happens is in 2019, the U.S. decides to say the Islamic Revolutionary Guard, which is basically the special forces in Iran, is a terrorist organization. It's sort of like if a country decided to say that um, the Navy SEALs or the Green Beret, hey, they're terrorists. What exactly does that solve? And this is a president who says that he's not looking for war and he's trying to ratchet stuff down. Then an oil tankers attack in the Gulf in May and the U.S. blames Iran. Provide no proof. Iran's like, we didn't do this. So if you're wondering, how was it attacked? What could have done it if it's not Iran? Who possibly could have done it? I'm just going to let you know, the United States is famous. Israel too, is famous for making stuff up or conducting attacks on targets and then blaming somebody else for what happened. Just letting you know this is a thing that is done. And if you think it isn't, you're, go look up Operation Cast Lead, what the Israelis did to the Palestinians, and you'll actually find out the Defense Minister of Israel literally said the two or three kids that were supposedly killed that caused Cast Lead to happen, it didn't happen. And they killed over 1,200 Palestinians over a fiction. So I'm just gonna tell you, they will make stuff up to attack people. It's a thing. So if I if Iran didn't do it, because it really doesn't make sense to do it, I can tell you it might have been the US. Alright, so let's move on. So then after that you have Iran shoots down a US drone. Somehow um, President Trump is able to show restraint and they also seize a British oil tanker in July. Again, everybody's like, hey, what's going on? Everybody's able to hold off and not do any crazy stuff. Nothing happened. So now, a Saudi Arabian-run oil companies, I mean, oil-run companies attacked in September by drones, by missiles, and again, they say, Iran did it. So here's one thing. Iran could have done that one. The only problem, again, where's the proof? Because Iran doesn't have drones. And Iran, I think, is actually pushing out some of their drone fleet to, to militias and other groups around. So when Iran personally says, we didn't do it, they kind of are telling the truth, but it could still be an Iranian drone that might have actually hit that company. But again, if it is, why doesn't the US or any of the actors there are providing any information? But here's the even bigger thing, this, is Saudi Arabia. This is not the US. Why are we so interested in getting involved? I don't know. Again, when you say Saudi Arabia is one of the greatest allies, so if you believe 9-11 happened the way it was stated in the official US report from the government, 
most of the people were funded by Saudi Arabian. So how are they an ally again? I don't know. But that's the crazy world we live in. People who blow up our buildings with planes are literally our strongest allies because they buy weapons from us. So the next thing. So in December, attacks on the U.S. military base in Iraq kills a U.S. citizen. The U.S. in retaliation for that one military contractor getting killed decides to run a bombing campaign and fires missiles on a base of Iraqi militia. So if we go back to this point, now we're, we're about in 2019, this is from 2018, 2017, all this time when, between Obama and Trump, the Iraqis were being overrun by ISIL or ISIS. You literally have the Iranians, you have the Kurds, you have the U.S. and a bunch of other people are fighting these guys. Like the U.S. never had really a large troop contingent. This is the Kurd, Iran, Iraq, and us working together to keep these terrorists at bay. So we're talking about this working relationship with Iran right now. This general that was killed had the ability to walk back and forth between Iraq, Iran, Saudi Arabia, all of these areas, and in Syria because he was so such a strong ally in backing us up for checking out ISIS. So this is the man that gets killed. This is a man who's revered in his country as a war hero. Uh, he's a, a non-corrupt person in the military. So when I hear sometimes in even progressive outlets that I listen to, sort of like the Young Turks, where they say like, this wasn't a nice guy. I would like to know which military commander or military person was a nice guy. I'd like to know which ones they are. Your literal job in military is either to hold or to take. In the process, you're literally killing people. I don't know when you become a, a, a saint or you become some kind of really friendly person when your job is to take human lives. So my argument with them saying, he's not a nice guy. Show me the military that's a leader that's a nice guy who's actively fighting in a war zone, killing people that we can say, yo, that's a good guy. They don't exist. The simple fact that these people take on the sacrifice of taking other human lives to protect the country that they're from nullifies the nice guy argument. What you have to understand is that he's a revered, respected person in his country. Assassinating him makes no sense. So we don't have to keep putting, oh, he wasn't good, he was a terrorist. So that means every US action that is done in a way that we may not agree with and took out a bunch of human lives, are those guys terrorists too? Are those guys nice, not nice guys? So we should just leave that argument alone because it doesn't make sense. So that's my only point about it. But here's another thing that is very frustrating about this. This man literally for the last 15 years has been in the radar of the military and other foreign powers and other allies we have with military actions are connected to. He is well known and well respected by um, Shiite militias from a bunch of different countries. 
he is also considered such a high value asset that if you were to take him out this is during the Obama administration they could see that yeah it caused a lot more problems than it would solve another thing is this man is actively helping you and working with you to actually stop a greater enemy why would you kill him what is the point of taking him out this is what we mean by Donald Trump when I say is probably one of the dumbest or stupidest people in the world when it comes to like government and world affairs and stuff like that this is not a joke what I gotta tell you is Donald Trump does have a skill everybody usually does something he's really good at my man can read a crowd my man knows how to talk to people in very simple words to keep them focused and engaged he's a marketer I didn't say a businessman because that he's not good at either but he's a marketer and he's a really good marketer and he's good at pushing brands he doesn't always succeed but the Trump brand himself as this amazing businessman and stuff like that which is completely untrue that brand is out there and the one thing people don't understand is all you need to make something stick is repetition it could be a lie but if I repeat it to you over and over and over and over again and I have a bunch of people creating an echo chamber and completely shooting that out guess what happens my lie becomes something that sticks in your head and you're just like yeah maybe that's true especially if most people do not go do research most people don't go look into these things most people don't care most people watch either Fox CNN and MSNBC and call it a day and what I'm going to tell you is all three tell you the same message just leaning in a slightly different way all three of them are beholden to the government because they make money from the government they don't really tell you things that are important to you to know so you can make informed decisions they tell you what you need to hear to keep the people who are in power in power and comfortable and that's it so that's my take on Iraq. As I usually preface in the beginning, you don't have to agree with anything I'm saying or have to just take it as for face value. Do some of the research. Just go look them up. Google search some of this stuff. Nothing happens in a vacuum. And we can't keep pretending that every time something happens in the U.S. retaliates. The only thing we need to look at is the event that happened just before. And that's what makes us right and the other people wrong. We got to look at it in totality. Because that's the only way it makes any sense. You can't act like the only reason Iran is what Iran does or where Iran is. Is because of that one action the US is 100% correct if that's how you see the country you're in a lot of trouble because that's not what an active citizen is supposed to do you're literally taking for face value anything they said there were just reports that just said that during the war Afghanistan and Iraq the Pentagon has been lying to the American public about how that war has been going for over 10 years so how can you take anything these has to face value? Do research. Don't just accept what you hear. That's the important part. Learn about the people or the players of the things that are happening. And don't just get angry because a base got shot up. And I'm telling you, that's why I'm making even this rant. And it's super long. 
it's because you don't know how many people on Facebook are acting like the, the United States can never do anything wrong. What slavery? What was that? A great event in our history? The genocide of the Native American, great event in our history? The bombing of Tulsa, Oklahoma by the US Air Force, a great event in American history? Let's just be honest. We've done messed up things as a country. Let's just be honest. It's a thing. And if you want to really love your country and care about your country, don't just cherry pick the good parts. Look at the whole thing. That's why I, I, I care about the country and because I think that we can change things and we can make things better. That's the only reason why I said like, I, I, I'm, I'm still proud to be an American even though I'm not proud of every action that's ever been done, right? So as I always say, keep your eyes, your ears, your hearts and your mind open. Until next time, that's been my rant. <laughs>